something a little bit different today. I'm, I'm honored to have my wife to join me at the pulpit today, and she's going to be uh, speaking along with me. I said, yeah. Do you have a microphone? What number does she need? I'm afraid she'll just take mine from me, and I don't want that to happen. Will it work to give her number three? Will you, can you work with that? There, you can have your very own. That way you can say whatever you want to say whenever you want to say it. Several months ago, I asked her, I said, well, what do you want to do for Mother's Day? I said, would you like to speak? I said, or would you like to bring someone in, or, or what would you like to do? And, and she said, well, let me think about it a little bit. And so uh, not too long ago, well, long ago, she said, what, you know, what if we kind of spoke together? And we haven't done that too many times, so it's a little, you know, it's a little bit uncomfortable, I guess, for us. But we, but we did uh, have some things that we wanted to share with you today and some things that we think uh, are pretty important when it comes to um, our lives and particularly as women. We've always liked to honor all women because we realize that uh, we may have some women who are here today that you're not mothers. Some of you maybe will never be mothers. Some of you haven't become a mother yet. Uh, some of you kind of have moved beyond the, the mothering years into grandmothering and what have you. And so we kind of like to just say to every, every woman, we appreciate you and we love you. And uh, there is a great call of God upon your life. And wherever you are, whether you're married, you're single, uh, divorced, widowed, God loves you and He cares about you and He will use you greatly. And so we want to celebrate you today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and turn. I'm sorry? Yeah, go ahead. Go right ahead. But while she's reading this, turn to Judges chapter 4 and you can get with us and she's, she's got something to share. I just wanted to share this little thing that I, I read and I loved it so much. I wanted to share it with you today. It says, and it's just a story, and it's taking great license with God. <laughs> but when God created woman, he was working late on the sixth day. An angel came by and asked, why spend so much time on her? The Lord answered, have you seen all the specifications I have to meet to shape her? She must function on all kinds of situations. She must be able to embrace several kids at the same time have a hug that can heal anything from a bruised knee to a broken heart. She must do this with only two hands. She cures herself when sick and can work 18 hours a day. How can say amen? The angel was impressed. Just two hands? Impossible. And this is the standard model? The angel came closer and touched the woman, but you have made her so soft, Lord. She is soft, said the Lord. But I have made her strong. You can't imagine what she can endure and overcome. Can she think? The angel asked. The Lord answered, not only can she think, she can reason and negotiate. The angel touched her cheeks. Lord, it seems that this creation is leaking. You've put way too many burdens on her. She is not leaking. It's a tear, the Lord corrected the angel. What's it for? Asked the angel. The Lord said, Tears are her way of expressing her grief, her doubts, her love, her loneliness, her suffering, and her pride. This made a big impression on the angel. Lord, you are a genius. <laughs> Girls, do you hear that? <laughs> you are a genius. You thought of everything. A woman is indeed marvelous. The Lord said, indeed, she is. She has strength that amazes a man. She can handle trouble and carry heavy burdens. She holds happiness, love, and opinions. She smiles when she feels like screaming. Amen. Amen. She sings when she feels like crying. Hallelujah. She cries when she's happy and laughs when afraid. She fights for what she believes in. Her love is unconditional. Her heart is broken when an ex of kin or a friend dies but she finds strength to get on with life. The angel asked, so is she a perfect being? And the Lord replied, no, she has one, just one drawback. She often forgets what she is worth. Very good. 
Judges chapter 4. I may have said numbers, I don't remember, but it's Judges. Did I say Judges? Judges chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. So she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops. And I will give him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And all the women said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called, uh, called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up at his heels and Deborah went up with him. Now Eber the Kenite had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the Okenzeanamon, which is near Kadesh. And when Sisera was told that Barak the son of Abinoam had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from that big word there that I can't say to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Get up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him, and the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots, the army, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Eber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin and the house of Eber the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, and do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, the wife of Eber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. And so he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man who you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. 
So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to represent it properly and effectively to your people today, particular to the women of this congregation, that they might see, Lord, that they are first-rate citizens in the, king of God, in the kingdom of God. Amen. That their place in your kingdom is a place of priority, and you have established them to be useful in your kingdom and to fulfill all that you have called them to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, in, in, in recent years, there's been some discussion in the church of God about the role of women in the church and what is their place and, and scripturally what is their place. And I, I would just like to go on record as saying that I believe from the very beginning of time that God created woman to be as involved in the kingdom of God as he desires for them to be. And if he places a call upon a woman's life, who am I or any organization or any denomination to say what she can be allowed to do and not be allowed to do? I want you to know that this church probably would not exist today were it not for the women who worked together to make this church as strong as it is today. So I thank God for the women in the kingdom of God. We wanted to, to uh, make three observations to you today about these two women that are found in, in Judges chapter 4. We have two of them, if you may have noticed. The first is Deborah, and the second is a woman by the name of Jael. And the first observation that I would like to make is simply this. Deborah found her place of priority in her spirituality, her relationship with God. Notice that the scripture said that she was a prophetess. Now, there have been those through the years who have said, well, a prophetess is not as significant as a prophet because a prophetess is a woman and a prophet is a man. But there's no truth to that whatsoever. A prophet and a prophetess is on the same ground in the eyes of God. And he created those positions so that he could use a prophet or a prophetess to speak effectively the words of the kingdom at a time when it is needed. Now, I don't have all the answers as, as to why God chose Deborah in that moment, except that God decided to do it. And he, his ideas are usually pretty good ideas. And so he, he selected this woman to speak on his behalf. Now, here's the point I want to make is that God will use you in whatever capacity He has called you, women, to be effective carriers of the message of the kingdom of God, wherever that might be, and in whatever calling that you might have upon your life. Don't let anyone put you down because you are a woman. If it had not been for Deborah acting as a prophet in this situation then Israel would have continued to be under attack by the enemy. But instead, God, knowing his relationship with Deborah, spoke a prophetic word through her that brought freedom to the nation and set them free from the oppression of an enemy that was coming against them at that time. So I guess my, from my perspective is women find that place in your life where God is your priority, where he is first in your life. You know, I know that you get busy, you get, you, you get full of things to do, but never allow stuff to get in a, pri a place of priority over your relationship with God because your spirituality is the most important thing that you have. Would you agree? I agree. You agree? I agree. You agree. <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Well, I'm just, I would just like to say, you know, it is, we always have a hundred things coming at us at one time. How many of you get up in the morning and you have a plan for your day and before you get going very far into that day and your plan, someone comes and there's something that needs your immediate attention. 
it's just, it is the nature of life, and it happens to us all. Um, but, and we can get so consumed with the have-tos that we forget the one main need-to. And that need-to is to sit at his feet. I'm more guilty of that than probably anybody in this room because I've always got somebody, can you do this, can you do this, can you do this? And my answer is always, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Or if they have a need, I can do that. I'm good at that, and most women are. Most women are fixers, and we like to complete and do and whatever. But God has, we have to keep in mind that there is a bigger picture, you know, and, and we have to live our daily life in, in uh, the concept that it's all just a, a play right now, if you will. It's, it's the setting for what's to come, and what is to come is eternity, and what is necessarily good may not be the most needful thing that we do. Uh, I don't know many people that spend their life doing worthless, worth, you know, things that have no value or no worth. There's worth and value in everything, but it's, it is so hard to keep the most important thing, the most important thing, and that is our relationship with the Lord, and to sit at his feet on a regular basis. Um, I'm guilty of, 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 um, being with him on the run, <laughs> if I'm in the car, you know, or whatever. And it's okay to make times like that, but it, it's time, there's, there is always time to put God the very only thing that you're doing and listen to him and talk to him and, and read his word. And there is so much that we can do. Um, you know, I, I think of the scripture so many times that, that um, all things are, are legal for me, are all, but not, help me. It's gone. All, not all things are profitable. Yes. Thank you. That's a good word. Expedient. Uh, all things are legal for me, but not all things are expedient. And so as Christians, it's, it's important to have a sense of what is expedient. You know, at what is important. And yes, it's important that your kids are fed and cleaned and clothed. And those of you who are in that realm of life, that's all you do. You feed, clothe, bathe. You know, I remember when we were very young in ministry, my kids were, well, Aaron was a baby and Jonathan was a toddler. And, and I remember a young woman who had just gotten saved said, oh, it must be wonderful to live in the parsonage. She said, um, I bet all you do is spend time in, with the Lord. And I looked at her, and I looked down at my two, and I said, baby, I do the same thing you do, you know. I take care of my kids, and I wipe runny noses, and I change diapers, and I do all. Those are busy times, and they are, are, are busy, busy, busy times. But it's always important to remember that even more important than wiping their nose or changing their diaper is that you are instilling something in them in a spiritual sense. And... I want to encourage you to speak out loud your faith before your children because that's a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. You can expect them to get everything at church. And, and I'll be honest with you, when I was a very young mother and even a young pastor's wife, it wasn't easy for me to talk about my faith out loud. I don't know why. Maybe it was because that's all my mother ever did. <laughs> and I didn't want to be like that. <laughs> but that's terrible. She just always was, you know, she had a scripture for everything. And I would be like, oh, please, you know, give me a break. <laughs> but there comes a time in life where, you know, you grow up and you realize that that's important. And, and the verses of the, the Bible that I know the best are the ones that my mama quoted to me on an endless daily basis. <laughs> So speak your faith, you know, let your children know why you do what you do. You know, why do we go to church? Why do I have to go to church? Why do I do? Because we love the Lord. We want to be in his presence. There, there are ways throughout the day to share Jesus and don't forget to do it. And I'm going to quit because I'm taking too much time. Go ahead. Yeah, and the next observation this is this, and it has to do with our family life. Look at verse 4 in chapter 4. It says, Now Deborah, who was a prophetess, who we, what, we just dealt with that, <clears throat> and the wife of Lapidoth. Uh, don't let that skip, uh, skip by you or, or you fail to recognize that not only was she this incredibly spiritual person, but she was a wife. 
She had a husband that she shared her life with. And now, historically, there are some things that we're, we're not really sure about as it pertains to Deborah. Most scholars believe that she was a wife only, but that she never bore natural children. And the reason for that is there is no record, scripturally or historically, of any children that was born to this couple. So she was a wife to Lapidoth, but she probably was childless. But she wasn't childless in the sense that she didn't mother anyone. Her motherhood was not as natural as it was spiritual. If you look at chapter 5, and it's verse 7, I think it is, it says, uh, wait just a second, that's not it. Where did I tell you it was, dear? Chapter 5. Oh, I want to find it so desperately. Anyway, you find it while I'm talking about it. That's a good idea, huh? It says that, that Deborah was a mother to Israel. She didn't have natural children, but she mothered the nation of Israel. People came to Deborah to find in her things that they could not find even in their own natural parents. So she was described in Scripture in chapter 4, verse 4, as a wife to Lapidoth, and in chapter 5, she was described as a mother to Israel. Now, here, here's what struck me, is the relationship that she had with her husband. They lived in a time where men ruled the roost. I mean, if, if you wanted to have power, you needed to be a man. Because in those days, the woman was treated in many ways as a second-rate citizen. Is it chapter, verse 7? Yeah, verse 7. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. So she found herself in a place where she had no natural children, but she made herself available to others in her circle of influence, and she served as a mother to them. So, you know, the relationship here on the, and on the home base was one where they complemented one another. And that, that's the main point I, I want to make, and then I'm going to turn it over to Donna. But we have got to learn that God created man and woman to complement one another. I think about many women ministers who have been extremely successful. Uh, some of the names that you might recognize would be people like Marilyn Hickey and people like Joyce Myers. In the Church of God, we've, we've had women ministers, Amanda Miller and, and uh, Betty Shaver, and on and on and on the list could go of women uh, who, who held the primary call of God upon their lives, and the husbands served to complement them and make their ministry possible. Now, through the years as a pastor, I've dealt with this on so many different occasions that it's amazing to me, but almost every woman that I know wants her husband to rise up and take the spiritual lead in the home. But let me tell you something. There are some men that are never going to be able to do, like, do that like you could. And if you wait around until he does, there are going to be a lot of things that never get done in your home and in your family. And you're going to have to, women, take your place and operate in your gift and in your calling, whether he ever does or not. And so here we have this relationship with Deborah and Lapidoth, and there's no indication that Lapidoth resented her calling. There's no indication that he tried to prevent her. He didn't consult with her when Barak came and said, I won't go unless you go with. She just said, I'll go with. Because she knew Lapidoth well enough to know that he was not going to prevent her from operating in the spiritual gift that God had for her. So women, I want you to know we need you to be the strong spiritual women that God has called you to be. Rise up and take that place. You don't have to fight with anyone. You don't have to fight with your husband about it. 
Because if you're in that kind of relationship where you're complimenting one another, it will be a natural response. You know, we've been doing ministry together for 37 years. We got married on one weekend and started full-time ministry the next weekend. We've been doing it a long time. And I'll be honest with you, when we first got started, the only thing I know how to do was do the way that I was trained by the church before. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm the pastor and she's not. And I'm the leader and she's not. And if, if you've got a problem with the church, come see me and, and leave her out of it because she's not the pastor I am. I didn't mean that in a bad way. I loved her very much, but I just thought that's the way I was supposed to operate. And somewhere along the line, I recognized that the ministry and the calling that I have and the ministry and calling that she has was divinely appointed by God so that we could complement one another. And now I try to push off as much into her category as I can because she's better at it than I am. And we've learned how to work together. Now, you may not be pastors and pastor's wives, but in your home, God has called you to work together and complement one another so that you can achieve all that God has for your household and for your family. So complement one another. Do you want to add anything to that? Well, it's, it's not a matter of having a controlling spirit. You know, that, that's not what it's about. It's about stepping out. You know, I remember in particular a time in our ministry where I felt like the Lord told me something. He didn't tell him, but he told me. And... Um, he told me I was being silly. He said, oh, you're just being silly. You're just being a woman. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you're just being a woman. And so I just, I just ignored what the Lord had spoken to my spirit and, and revealed to me and come to find out the Lord was right and I was right and he was wrong. <laughs> it's the only time. But it's... <laughs> But it, it was a matter of learning, for me, of learning to trust the Lord in me. You know, I mean, and not, I didn't have to have him translate the Lord to me. He could speak to me. And I, I was kind of in that, when I was young, I was kind of in that same position with my mother. I always took everything to my mom to see what the Lord said about it, you know. <laughs> and, and that was a learning experience yes, for both it was. of us. It was. And she had to learn how to rise up, and I had to learn how to... To listen and, and to be obedient. Yes, and, and to sense. learn how to... <laughs> Not obe obedient in the sense Not that I, she tells me what to do, but obedient to, to the situation and the voice of the Lord working through her. Well, I, I think he learned that I had a valid voice. And, and women, you do have a valid voice. And a lot of times it's not that you're in control, but you do hear from the Lord. And you need to trust that uh, voice that the, when the Lord speaks to you, be, be bold about sharing what the Lord's saying to you. And, and um, don't be belligerent. Like when he told me I was just being a woman, I said, well, okay. And, but, and because I didn't know. But when you learn the voice of the Lord, and now if, if I had the same situation come, I would press him and I would say, no, I, it wasn't. It's not me being foolish and being a woman. <laughs> foolish woman. I don't like that. But it, it is the Lord speaking to me. And, and he has the wisdom at times to actually listen to, to my voice, you know. And so what I'm saying is you have a powerful voice in your home and you need to use it. You need, first of all, you need to have the kind of relationship with the Lord where he is speaking to you, and then you need not to be afraid to use your voice and say, you know, this is what the Lord's saying. And it's not about being contentious. My goodness. I mean, we're like everybody else. Like every, We're just trying to get through life. You know, we're just trying. We have all the same things, and it's not about ministry. It's about being partners together, and we're trying to get through life and do it successfully. But I listen to him. His voice carries a lot of weight with me, and uh, he listens to me um, better. <laughs> but I want to I read a little bit from an article that I found about spiritual motherhood. Is this good now? Yeah, do it. Okay. Motherhood, this is an excerpt from it. Motherhood is not only a biological maternity, it is spiritual maternity. 
There are hundreds of people all around here desperately looking for a mother. A number of people have come to tell me about their problems. I listen to them, and I love them, and I say very little, but they know that I care for them, and in this sense, I have become their mother. Therefore, it's not a matter of either having biologically or legally adopted children or being childless. No, a mother is the very essence of femininity. We have got to be mothers. It's interesting that sometimes even little girls already understand this in the way they help their little sister or brother. How many of you have ever watched a, a child mother their, their brother or sister? Um, it's more important even than biological motherhood. And I know all the biological mothers are like, there's nothing more important. But there are plenty of women who are biological mothers and yet are not mothers at all. Some consider their child to be a nuisance and an accident, saying, I didn't want it. Take, for instance, women who've had an abortion for a convenience sake. God offers them a tremendous gift, but they said, no, I don't want it. It's inconvenient for me. From now on, your daily prayer should be, God, send me spiritual children. I will never turn down any one of them. The more, the better. And many of you, and I know that we've got several women in the church who are not biological mothers, but I wish you a happy Mother's Day because if you're female, you are mothering. You're mothering someone. Uh, pray for the gift of spiritual children. It might be very well that in your beautiful desire to be a biological mother, you've overlooked cases where you could have become a spiritual mother. And I know a lot of women who, who have mothered countless other people's children. Uh, and it's a, a, it is a wonderful blessing to the body of Christ and a wonderful blessing to them. Um, you are called to motherhood if you're a female right now, not next week, not next month. God has placed people in your path that you can be a spiritual mother to. And, you know, don't, don't ever shy back from that because you have a lot to offer and a lot to give. All of us do. And, you know, the, the, the Bible is clear in, it, in that it says iron sharpens iron. Well, woman sharps, sharpens woman. You know, be a mother to those who come into your influence. And don't be ashamed or afraid to speak out and to be a spiritual mother. Be a spiritual voice in their life. I'm done. Yeah, and that can only happen when you are willing to be around people that, that need your assistance and need your help. If... Otherwise, it becomes selfish. If it's just about me, I just want people around me that are going to, you know, they're going to verify who I am and they're, they're going to acknowledge who I am and lift I, I Validate's the word I'm looking for and, and validate me and who I am. And, and it's, very, it's very hard to bless someone when our relationships are all about us. It's, it's all about who do I want? in my life. I see these little inspirational quotes all the time and it says if there's somebody in your life that doesn't treat you like this or they just just put them out of your life. Well, those are the kind of people that we should be ministering to and mothering and and and, and pulling along. If all of my friendships and all of my relationships are all about just what makes me feel good and, and how that it makes my life easy, then I'm not really fulfilling the calling that God has placed upon my life. How many of you have all, ever, uh, did you see the movie The Prayer Room? Anyone see that? Can I see your hands? Uh, she, she was mentioning that and, and probably ought to, well, I mean, I'm sorry, War Room. Yeah, I'm sorry. Now let's see whose hands go up. Yeah, now everybody goes up. But the, the prayer that, that the lady prays, and, and the, the one phrase that caught my attention was, Lord, give me one more. Send somebody into my life. Do it again, God. You see, we're here for more important reasons than just to have a good life. That, that's fine, and that's good, and I'm, I, we are blessed abundantly. But our abundant blessings are meant to affect the lives of other people. And so that's what we're trying to say here, which brings us to the last and the final point. And, and that is that in life, we tend to always have defining moments. We have those moments when God strategically positions us to be able to do something that no one else can do. And our, our obedience will bring about blessing in other people's lives, and sometimes it can be many lives. But our disobedience 
will prevent that blessing reaching the people that God intended. It struck me this week, and one of the devotionals that I wrote was when God said to Joshua, He said, He said, your, pe- your people are going to inherit their blessings because of you. If you will not be afraid, and if you will be courageous, and if you will teach them the book of the law and not depart from it, then they will be blessed because of you. And, and that hit me so heavy because as a pastor, I realized that my faithfulness to God and my obedience to Him can sometimes uh, be the determining factor in whether or not you will receive the blessing that God has for you. Because I have to be obedient to speak what is necessary at the moment. And let me tell you, sometimes the things that you need to hear are things that you don't want to hear. And there are people who have left the church because I was willing to say to them what others wasn't willing, they weren't willing to say. And I'm not bragging on myself, but listen, I'm telling you, I'm just warning you right up front. If you come to me for advice, and if you need counsel from me, I only have one thing to go by, and it's this. I'm going to tell you what this book says. It will be up to you to make your choices and your decisions But I will stand before God one day and give account as to whether or not I was faithful to the Word of God. So don't get mad at me if I tell you the truth because the truth is what you need to hear because the truth is what will set you free. But here's what I mean by defining moments. We have two ladies in chapter 4 who both came to a place in their lives where God required something of them that only they could give. Deborah gave a prophetic word, and then she accompanied Barak in the battle. But she said to him, she said, I'm going to tell you something you don't want to hear. If you had gone out and fought this battle on your own, you would have gotten the glory. But because you won't go on your own and I have to go with you, you won't get the glory, but the glory will come through a woman. And she, everybody thought, well, it'll be Deborah who will get the glory. Deborah will be the one who will be remembered for this, but it was not Deborah at all. Deborah had already seen in the spirit realm how God was going to bring this thing to an end. Now, Deborah was a judge. Now, scripture tells us that she used to go out and sit underneath a tree, and people would come to her, and they would bring their problems to her. They would bring their frustrations or the things that they needed to be settled. They'd bring them to Deborah, and Deborah would listen, and then after she had listened, she would judge the circumstances. And whatever she said was accepted as being from God because she was a prophetess and because she was a judge, her words were used to bring about resolve in difficult situations. Now just think, had she not been willing to fulfill that responsibility, many, many lives would have been affected negatively because of her refusal to do that. And then think about J.L. Now J.L., she's just a... She's just a woman in the tent. She, she, just, she milked the goat that early that morning. She was getting things ready, and then she heard that Sisera had fled on foot and was running, and she stepped outside the tent, and she saw him, and she said, Hey, Sisera, come over here to me. Come inside. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Don't be afraid. I'm getting ready to kill your sorry self, but don't be afraid. Because I'm going to do it quick and easy. You won't feel a thing. Come in here and don't be afraid. And he comes in because he knows her husband and has a pact with her husband. But J.L. knew that he was the key to victory for Israel. So she calls him in and she says, go over here. She covers him up with a rug He says, give me something to drink, give me some water. And she goes and gets him some milk, gives him the milk. Milk helped him sleep. And when he went to sleep, you know what happened next. She took a tent peg and a hammer and stuck his head to the ground. 
and he died peacefully in his sleep. Now, you know, the obvious question is, is that if God asked you to drive a stake through somebody's head for the glory of God, would you be willing to do that? Now, that's, you know, it's a crazy situation, and please don't anybody go home and stab your husband. Please don't do that. Don't go home and tell, pastor told me to drive a stake right through your noggin today and pin you right to the ground and then glorify God. Don't do that, please. But my point is this. God gives all of us defining moments in life. And what Deborah's defining moment was, was very different than what J.L.'s defining moment was. But both of them needed to be obedient in order to work the glory of God. So my question to you before Donna uh, gives her two cents worth on this, is are you willing... Are you willing to rise up and do what God has called you to do in that defining moment? Because we would have never known who Deborah was had she not been willing to take her place. We would have never known who J.L. was unless she was willing to stake her claim. But because she was willing God was glorified, and Israel was delivered. I just want to say, you know, in the realm of talking about motherhood, you know, when, when you have that baby that's placed in your arms, and you look at it, and it's so sweet, and you, you see all the nice little pictures that people have of mothers and babies and all that stuff, it looks so beautiful and so wonderful, and it is. But there's a lot of snot to come. A lot of dirty, dirty diapers, throw up. It's not pretty. You know, it's not a pretty thing to raise a child. Um, it can have its moments of beauty, but on the whole, it's dirty work. You know, it, it's dirty work. And I think so many times that when we look at, at the world that we're living in, um, you know, leave it to beaver days are over. They're gone forever. It's never going to be like that again. And as time marches on, we are going to be required more and more and more and more to be strong in the Lord. We're going to have to know who we are in the Lord. We're going to have to know. We're going to have to grow up. If we're being baby Christians, we're not going to be of any benefit benefit to the kingdom of God. And you say, well, you know, if I can just get to heaven, I'll be fine and I'll be happy. But God has positioned you where you are in this day for such a time as this. And when you look at the condition of the world around us and you see what's going on in the world, he needs us to be godly. You know, we need to be godly people, not for everybody else even, but just for ourselves. We need to be full of God and full of his power and full of authority in the Holy Spirit because we are at war. Tell me that your family has not suffered violence because it has. The enemy is at work. He is at war with us, and we have to rise up, and no better place to do it in the, in the, in the mind and the heart of a woman, because women are fearless when it comes to, you know, I, I mean, raising kids. When the, kid, when the diaper got dirty, guess who, mom, guess who, where he brought the baby, you know? Oh, mom. And some of you younger men, you're awesome, He did not grow up in that era. I told my kids, I said, your dad really didn't have anything to do with you until you were about five. He said, I like them better when they can talk. And I'm like, I like them better when they can't. (laughs) But, but, um, you know, women have the ability, you know, to do things that men cannot do. I, you know, God created us that way. He gifted us in special ways. And, you know, um, I remember a day when we first opened the childcare and, and um, one of our little children got sick and threw up in the floor. And my son, who is the director, you know, he's standing there going, mm. <laughs> I said, go get me a bucket. <laughs> And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying that all, all men are as helpless as my, my son and my husband because they're bad. <laughs> Some guys just get right in there and get it done. But women learn early on that you are where the buck stops. 
And I learned that in the life of my own children, uh, when they were not doing right, when they were not living right, I felt this panic come over me, you know, because I knew that, you know, that this just wasn't good. And you know what the Lord made me do? He made me fight. I had to put on my fighting gloves, and I had to get in my prayer closet, and I had to fight. And I had to quit fighting with them, (laughs) and I fought in my prayer closet. And I fought spiritual battles. The Word says that we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's somebody out there that needs you to fight for them. Whether you have it's your child or a friend or an acquaintance, you need to be fighting. And fight the fight in your prayer closet. All of us can pray. You know, we're not all called to be Deborah's. We're not all called to be jail and stake the claim. <laughs> Thank God. I, sometimes when I read that Old Testament stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I don't live in that day. But you know what? We don't know what's coming. We really don't. And it's time for us to just remember that this is serious business. You know, I mean, it hits home. With, there, there's a time in a mother's life when you bring the child home and it hits home. Okay, I'm the mama. My mama's gone, and it's my, and there is a time in our own spiritual lives when we grow up and we say, okay, it's up to me. What if it was up to you to make a difference in somebody else's life? Think about it. Can you do it? Of course you can. Of course you can. With God's help, you can do it, and we can do so many things. John, put up that, that picture that I wanted you to put up. In World War II, there was a men left for the war front. Is it up there? Men left for the war front, and, and there, was a vacancy, there were vacancies and a, need, a great need for women to fill roles that men had traditionally, traditionally filled in the workplace. And they put out this big call to arms, you know, for women to come and join the workforce and, and join the fight. That was the way they were going to fight, is they were going to join the workforce. And it's a summons to engage in activity to, to defeat an enemy. You know, and whether they were doing it, they were doing it. Some of them were, um, some of them worked in plants and some of them worked at traditional men jobs. Some, this is Rosie the Riveter. You know, women were riveting rivets in airplanes, uh, airplane bodies and doing all kinds of things that they had never done before. And we will find ourselves in these last days doing things that we'll never, have never been called upon to do. But we have to step up and we have to do our part. Uh, We have to live with purpose. It's not just a daily, you know, la-di-da life because this is serious business. And I'm not saying that you got to be mean and mad and sad all the time. We have to be joyful in the Lord because when we're engaged with God in a spiritual way, the joy of the Lord is a natural result. It's a natural thing that happens because His presence, you, you sense Him with you every part of the day. You sense Him walking through life with you. It's a good thing, but we live with purpose, on purpose, do things on purpose for such a time as this, because things are not good and they're not going to get better. Sometimes we got to put away some childish things to take on adult things. We got to get rid of pettiness and selfishness, and we've got to uh, let go of some things that distract us. They're not bad things, but they distract us from our purpose. And keep singleness of heart in mind. We can do it. You know, we can make a difference. Women, you are um, like the little thing that I read at the beginning. You're an amazing creation of God. And you are to be honored for your contribution to life. I, you know, if you took all the women out of a room and you had just a bunch of men, there's beauty in that, uh, somewhat. <laughs> there is beauty in the strength of manhood. But women are the pretty in it. You know, I got to tell you, we're the pretty. We make life sweeter and better and, and more blessed and more full. And God gifted us that way. So, you know, let's, let's don't shy down or be, you know, afraid to step up and be who we are in Christ and who he has called us to be because we are a mighty force, a mighty force. And we can do mighty things and mighty exploits in the name of the Lord. And you say, but I'm not one of those out front people. 
Uh, it takes people doing all kinds of things, all kinds of things to help and bless in the kingdom of God. And, you know, whether it's great or small, uh, one of my mom used to tell me God didn't require us to be flashy, but he did require us to be faithful. So there you go. Hallelujah. He did not require you to be flashy, but he did require you to be faithful. Be faithful. Be a faithful woman of God. When people look at you, I want people, before they see me, I want them to see the Jesus in me. And I want them to see the Jesus in each. And so many of you, I look at you when you come in here. I just see Jesus in you. I see his presence with you. I sense your... When you come in, you bring the presence of the Lord with you because you're full of his goodness and sweetness and love. And I just, I love you. I'm so proud to be a part of this body. And I believe that God has great things in store for us. But some of us need to shake ourselves a little bit and engage. I think the singers are going to come back, and we're going to close with a song and, and prayer. Uh, and I'm going to have all the ladies come in just a moment, and we're going to have special prayer with you. But I, I want to close with this, with this statement to you. And that is, be who God has called you to be, whether or not you have a partner that you want so desperately to have. And what I mean by that is, is that we, we've got women in this house this morning. You're, you're sitting here all alone. You, your husband won't come to church with you. Your kids won't come and sit with you and honor you. And it's hurtful when that happens. I know that. And I, I, I know that it's easy for you to feel like that, you know, I'm just out here all, all by myself and nobody really cares. But listen, God cares. And you are a spiritual individual first and before anything else. If you noticed in the life of Deborah, there was a definite, definite order that, that it was given in Scripture <clears throat> and that we discussed, the first was her place spiritually. Her relationship with God was more important than anything else. And because of her relationship with God, when God needed to use someone, He knew that Deborah was ready and willing and able. And then secondly was her family dynamic, whatever that was, because we don't have a lot of information. We just know she was married to Lapidoth. Lapidoth might have been the worst guy on the face of the earth. He, he might have needed to be pegged as well. We don't know. But we just know that it mentions that she was the wife of Lapidoth. We don't know if she had children or not. But it is secondary to who you are spiritually. And then that final thing is, is what is God calling you to do? Who, whose life are you going to impact? What kind of a difference are you going to make in your home, in your circle of influence, the place where you work? God has called you women. And as I look at you today, I see women who are empowered by a power that is greater than anything that you can even imagine or think in your mind. Because when the power of God connects, connects with who you are and who He created you to be, I'm telling you, there's nothing that you can't do. Miracles and, 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 and change will just explode in your presence because of the power of God that works in you. So today, women, you are loved. I love you, God loves you, your family loves you, and we appreciate you so very much. I want everybody to